Well, we're into the final week of the 2018 Major League Baseball season. Hard to believe. Five months ago, this thing got started on March 31st, and now the Cleveland Indians are on their final road trip of the year before they head into the playoffs, and the Cincinnati Reds are getting set to take on their final opponents of the season. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. I'm Dave Mitchell. Glad to have you along tonight on UltimateSportsTalk.com as we kick back and talk about the Cleveland Indians and the Cincinnati Reds. And in order to do that, let's go down south and talk to our resident Reds expert, Mark Donahue. Mark, how are you tonight, and are you looking forward to the final week of the season? Oh, it can't come soon enough, David. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> these are the times that that try the souls of fans of teams that have been out of it for the last, uh, in a Reds case, five months. When you start three and eighteen in April, you're out of it in April. So this has been a lost season, and uh, really, I, I, the only thing I'm excited about is that the that the American League, particularly to me, is a very intriguing. Uh, playoff picture when you have teams like Cleveland and Boston and the Yankees in, in the same division, uh, you know, ready or not the same division, but the same league, ready to kick things off. Uh, it, it should be one heck of a playoff. Uh, but there's always that dark horse that you you don't anticipate that uh, you know is going to win a World Series like the Giants did a couple times in a row. They came in as a wild card and won it not all that long ago. Now I don't I don't see anybody. Knocking off Boston or Cleveland, I, I think it'll be one of those two that get to the World Series. But you never know, and that's why I'm kind of intrigued about the playoffs. And even in the National League, uh, you know, you have teams like the, the the Cubs that are, you know, they've actually won the division and are, are you know, I think the odds-on favor to win the National League. But you got Atlanta that came out of nowhere uh, this year. Uh, they're going to look assuredly. They're going to make the playoffs as well. They, they, could they knock off the Cubs? Who knows? But when you're a Reds fan, you don't have those kind of glory dreams, and all you have to look forward to is a long cold winter and pray for spring. <laughs> Mark, I, I want to ask you. Uh, you know, the, you you talk about the American League really intriguing you. The National League wild card race really has got me intrigued between those three ball clubs of Milwaukee, St. Louis, and even Colorado, the Dodgers. You know, whoever wins the division is involved. The other team is going to be involved in the wild card chase. Out of your opinion, what two teams do you think should be the wild card teams? Well, I don't know if they should be or not. I, I like the way Milwaukee is playing. I told you that a couple of weeks yeah. ago. Uh, I, I just think they have a lot of power. Uh, I don't think St. Louis is as good as Milwaukee. Uh, on paper, <clears throat> uh, I think the Cubs are still the team to beat. But then you look at the Dodgers, and, <clears throat> and they've really, it sounds silly to say they've come out of nowhere, but at one time this year, it didn't look like they were going to have a chance at the playoffs, and they are. And with the talent that team has, uh, Puig has, has really turned it on the last month. And that team, when you, when you look at that roster, they are still loaded. That team is loaded. They just haven't played that well this year. But, again, that's a team that could come in. They could sweep anybody in the National League. So you, you, you never know what's going to happen with these playoffs. But uh, look after Milwaukee. I know they're not supposed to win, and they probably won't. But I just have a feeling that that team, you know, don't forget, they, they missed out in the playoffs by one game last year, the last game of the year they yeah. lost. Or they would have been in the playoffs, and uh, I think they've got something to prove. And I tell you, that is a that is a very very good offensive team. And if they get some pitching, uh, they're going to be pretty tough. Overall, they're a lot better team this year than they were last year. Their record may not show it, but they are a better overall ball club. I'm talking about Milwaukee now uh, than they were a year ago, but they're still in the same spot that they were a year ago, even with all the moves that they made. Yeah, they don't have that that killer starting rotation. Uh, they have a very good bullpen, one of the best bullpens in baseball. Uh, they have a very good offensive team. They got team speed. They play good defense. But as you've said before, some teams are, are built to be a team that can play 162 games and, and do well. Other teams are built to be a playoff team. And typically what that means is if you are built to be a playoff team, 
by definition, that means you've got three really good starting pitchers. And that's where it gets back to Houston and, and Chicago and Cleveland. I think they're the best three pitching staffs in baseball. Uh, and, and Boston, they have a really good pitching staff, but I don't think it can match up to the other, some, some of the other teams I mentioned. So, uh, there's a lot, but offensively, Boston, you know, that is a tough lineup they've got. And that's why I'm excited about the playoffs. It's, it's, it's like the season starting over for me and, and to see who comes out on top. And, you know, it's, it's, when you watch, say, if I watch, uh, the Cubs play the, uh, the Dodgers in the NLCS, I'll enjoy the game. I won't be emotionally wrought over who wins or loses, but it'll be fun to see the guys playing under pressure and those two good teams going at it. And I think, you know, that may be the, the final two. But, again, mark my words, watch out for Milwaukee. You know, last night the Indians played Boston in the final Sunday night game of the year. And at the time that they actually moved that game, Mark, they thought that game might mean something, but it didn't. Both teams had clinched their divisions heading into last night's ball game, And it, it was still a good ball game, but by the time the thing ended, both teams were playing – basically the last few men on their 40-man roster. But what surprised me was the fact that uh, Matt Vaskersian, who's the play-by-play announcer, uh, Jessica, uh, is her name Garcia? I think so. Okay, Jessica Garcia, who, who's one of the color announcers, A-Rod, who's the other color announcer, and Buster Olney, they went around the horn and said, okay, Who's your vote to win the American League? Rank them from one through five. Who's your vote to win the American League? All four of them, Mark, said the Indians. I was shocked at that. All four said the Indians. But why would you be shocked? You've been bragging about Because it's team. ESPN, Mark. Oh, come on. <laughs> I mean, the, on, on paper, which never typically pans out, uh, the Indians have to be the odds-on favorite to win it. Look at the pitching staff. I mean, you've said in a short series that the starting pitching is going to be the, the it's going to tell the tale. And I think your pitching is better than Boston's. I think Boston overall uh, is a better team. I think they got more depth uh, on their on their I guess eight starting guys, uh, better bench, uh, good defense, but. You've got that thing. Cleveland has that starting pitching. And if those guys are on, it's going to be awfully tough for anybody to score on them. You know what's amazing is is the uh, Boston and the Yankees heading into the playoffs, Mark. They're both injured. They've both got a plethora of injuries. Bogarts last night got hurt. He may not be ready for the playoffs now, the way the Red Sox uh, media is talking. I uh, he heard his left shoulder last night. The Yankees, of course, they're going to be without D.D. Gregorius, and he's been a main instrument in their lineup all season long. Yeah, I saw that today, and I thought that was the biggest the, the biggest bad news I'd heard for a while. You don't replace D.D. I mean, he's been uh, a, a main cog uh, in, in that team all week, or all year, and I, I don't see how they overcome that in, in, the, in the next three weeks. He's just, he's too tough to, to, to replace. Now, having said that, uh, I, I never thought the Yankees were a favorite to win, but they're not going to be an easy out. Uh, whoever beats them is going to have their hands full because the team can hit. And that's, you know, that's, that, that's why I think they have a chance to win it. And you look at the, of the 10 teams that'll be in the playoffs. You can make an argument that every one of those teams has a chance. You know, there's nobody that I'm looking at. You say, well, they're so bad they don't have a chance to win it. Everybody has a chance to win it because they're all pretty good. And uh, I look at the look at Cleveland. They won by what 15 games, something like that. Yeah. But but they've got the worst winning percentage of the teams. I mean, they have the same winning percentage as Tampa Bay. Yeah. And that just blows me away that that, that that happened this year. And so it's it, it's going to be pretty interesting to see what happens when you when you get down to the final five. But uh, in, the, in, the, in both leagues, you, you look at, around at who's going to be in the playoffs, every one of them could win it. Mark, I got thinking the other day, um, which is uh, uh, 
something. How was it? Yeah, it, it was a unique experience. You know, actually to just look into the inner inner thinkings of my mind and, you know, see all the cobwebs in there. Nonetheless, this Indians team, it finally dawned on me, reminds me of the 97 team where they just, oh, no. they just kind of walked through the regular season, knew they were going to win the division, won the division by 10, 12 games that year, got into the playoffs and, and beat the Yankees, who had been the reigning uh, World Series champions that, that going in that year, and then ended up beating Baltimore in the ALCS and lost in seven to Miami and or Florida, whatever they were called back then, but ended up losing in seven in that extra inning, seventh inning game. Mark, uh, you know, and, and Greg Mitchell, our producer, got all over me last week when he said, you know, he couldn't understand your argument at the beginning of the show and then I turned it all around when you said, okay, who's going to win between Cleveland and Houston? And I said, I can't pick against Houston. <laughs> After arguing that the Indians were the better team the whole first half hour, and then I turn around and I go with Houston. Um, I, I don't know. It's just it's something nagging. I noticed that, yeah. It's just something nagging, Mark. I mean, I think the Indians have the best team. But for some reason, I've just got a feeling Houston can pull it out. I, I just that, believe they're the best team. That, that's your fandom talking. That's your objectivity talking. Cleveland should win it. They're the better team. But look at Oakland. Oakland, has anybody that you, that you heard talking about who's going to win the World Series, has Oakland's name ever no. come up? No. <laughs> Not at all. And, you know, but, but they, they won. They won seven more games than Cleveland during the year. Yeah. Uh, and it could be more than that in, the, in, the, in this next week. And they may so, have actually played the best baseball, Mark, since the middle of May to now. That's my point. That You, you look at these five teams. You have Boston, Houston, Cleveland, the Yankees, and Oakland. Uh, you know, the, the usual suspects, you would expect it's going to be either Cleveland or Houston and maybe Boston. The Yankees, eh, long shot in Oakland, yeah, we, they're not, they're not that good. But they are that good. They only lost one less game so far than the Yankees. Yeah. They have a 603 winning percentage. That is a really, really good team. And to overlook them is, is gonna be at your own peril if you're, if you're going in there, if you're one of the big three, Houston, Boston, or Cleveland, oh yeah, we get, get to play Oakland. Well, be careful. Because again, that that is a very good team, and a better record than Cleveland. One worse game lost than than the Yankees. Uh, be careful. Mark, I mean, they only lost four games fewer than Houston so far. That wild card game could really be a trap for the Yankees, and here's why. I, I heard a lot of people talking about this over the weekend. If the Yankees end up losing home field advantage, and have to go to Oakland and play that wild card game. They will have to go all the way out to Oakland, play one game. If they win it, they have to go all the way back across the country and play in Boston to start the the, 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 the uh, divisional series. Now, Oakland, on the other hand, if they end up finishing last and have to go to New York, they don't have that disadvantage because they go to New York and play, and then they just hop over to Boston. Yeah. So the Yankees really are at a disadvantage if they finish behind Oakland. Well, in terms of the National League, don't count Colorado out. They're only, I think, a, a game or a game and a half out of first uh, of the playoff spot. And you know, you could have a playoff game to get into the playoff. Yeah, it's possible. So uh, that would be interesting and really mess up the schedule if that were to occur. So you know, Colorado, uh, they're only a game, I think, in the win in the win loss column in the loss column behind St. Louis. So this last week, as you said, it, it's going to be very interesting. Mark, before I get into the red situation, I want to ask you this. What has been more of a surprise to you this year, the demise of Washington or the improvement of the Atlanta Braves? Oh, without question, the demise of Washington. I mean, I think you could see that Atlanta had some talent. Now, I don't think anybody suspected uh, that they were going to be able to do what they did this year. I mean, it's it's pretty remarkable. So yeah, that's a that's a big. They're twenty games over five hundred, and I don't think anybody expected that. But I don't think anybody expected, you know, 
times 10 that Washington would be a 500 team. Yeah. And out of the playoffs, really, they've been out for three or four weeks now, realistically out of the playoffs. And they waved the, the, the white flag back in, you know, the beginning of September, end of August. Started trading some players away. And I, I just don't, you look at that roster and that pitching staff, how is that possible? Uh, <laughs> is it Dave Nelson? Is there, is there manager? Yeah, no, Dave Martinez. Yeah, Dave Martinez, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dave Martinez, I mean, he gets a shot of a lifetime to manage that team. But you can't blame him because this team has underperformed for the last five years. Yeah, and, and you know, you and I have brought it up for years and years and years, but Mike Rizzo's biggest mistake was shutting down Steven Strasburg four years ago in the playoffs. That was their best opportunity to win. That's right. That's exactly right. And in terms of a decision that has negatively impacted a really a franchise for for five or six, seven years, maybe more, it's that decision. And obviously, if you go back and, and, and don't forget, people just kind of blow off that comment. They had a six to nothing lead in the last game of the playoffs. Yeah. And if they had Strasburg, they they would have won that game had he been pitching. Even so, even if you brought him in in relief, Mark. That's right. You win that game. That's right. Yeah. So th- that's incredible. But uh, you know, in, in terms of you know looking around baseball, the the, the thing you see is, is such a division between the haves and the have-nots, and the, the Yankees, uh, the Boston Red Sox, the Cleveland Indians. They are so much better than the rest of baseball. And the same in the, in the, the National League. The Cubs, uh, the Dodgers, Milwaukee, St. Louis, they're so much better than the rest of the National League. There's some really, really bad teams in the National League and the American League for that matter. But that kind of disparity, um, you know, they say, well, you get, you get a, you play poorly and you have, you finish in last place, you get a draft choice. That's that's four years away yeah. with that draft choice, if it's a good draft choice, if. But the, the draft choice doesn't matter anymore because the teams like the Cubs, um, the Yankees, the Red Sox, they can write checks and get a player that they know is going to perform and get them into the playoffs any given year. And that is the, the danger that is overtaking baseball right now because you have teams like the Reds, that have a chance now to enter into a, a, an ice age over the next five, six years, will then make it a decade that this team is underperformed. You're losing millions of fans. And the decision-making, to me, it's not a decision-making on the field. It's a de- de- decision-making in the front office. Somebody screwed up. Somebody looked at the calculator, and they made the wrong conclusion. They said, well, if we save money this year, we'll be able to put that money aside and we will be better in two years. Well, they weren't better in two years. And they don't have enough money. And that is going to be the depth now of many teams that aren't going to be competitive for sometimes decades. All right. Well, we can get into what the, the Reds are going to do in the offseason next week. But right now, the big story around the city of Cincinnati. We all know who, barring anything major, unexpectedly, the Indians manager next year will be Terry Francona. We have no idea who the Reds manager is going to be. Uh, there have been some teams around baseball this week, Mark, that have said that their managers are going to be cut loose. Baltimore is one of them that is expected to get rid of Buck Showalter. I've heard rumblings out in California where Mike Sosha is expected to be let go. Uh, uh, the manager down in Texas uh, was already let go this past weekend. We don't know what's going to happen in Washington. There's been rumblings around there that Dave Martinez could be let go after one year. The Mets, Mickey Calloway, he's not exactly skating on on thick ice in New York. He could be gone. Uh, there's just a lot of managers that right now are on the hot seat. Jim Riggleman is a man that has done what I think is an exemplary job of managing this Reds team for what he has on the field and in the pitching staff. I think he's deserved another opportunity to come back. What do you think? 
I, I disagree. I don't think he has shown that uh, he has got a a handle on this team in terms of its talent. Um, I know he, he the team played well, but under his managerialship so far, there's still 13 games under 500 since he took over. Now, I understand there's been some injuries, but that happens to every team. What I have seen in the last month is this team has given up. They've quit on him. And that's the kiss of death for a manager. I think if you're in a really, if you're serious about retooling this team, you've got to start with a, a new manager, maybe somebody that we, you know, we haven't thought of. I think it needs to be a younger guy. It has to be somebody who has some respect as a player, somebody who's kind of a hard ass. Uh, to, to deal with some of these the young players and show them how to play Major League Baseball. They, this team isn't close. It's not close. And so what happens if you keep Jim Riggleman there this year or for, in 2019 and they don't win again? Do you then make another managerial change? I think you got to go all in. you got to say, we're going to go out and get a manager and we're going to put him in place for five years come hell or high water. And he... Recommend is part of the old regime with Walt Jockety, who's still there, and it's not worked. What they have done, the strategies they have unrolled, don't work. So they've got to come in with some new blood. And I, I, I have nothing against Jim Ruggerman, but Dave, he's only had in his major league career, he's, he's got the worst record in baseball as a manager of the last 20 years. It's, it's hard to believe. He's only managed a winning team once, and he, he you know, he then he took off on the yeah. Nationals because he didn't get a contract he wanted. Kind of gave up on his team. But th- th- this thing with the Reds, it's not just, gee, we've had a couple bad years. They've had here, here are their last five years winning percentages. They were seventy six and eighty six and fourteen, sixty four and ninety eight. 68 and 94, 68 and 94, they've got to win three of their next five just to match what they did in 2016 and 17. That's 135 games out of first place. That is 121 games under 500. I mean, this team is abysmal. It's not, it's not one team. It's been the last five years. And in the last five years, Mark, they've had three general managers. Yes, but nobody seems to take control. Yeah. Of it. They, I wish somebody, whether it would be Williams or Jockety or somebody, sit down, hire, you know, get on Fox and say, folks, we've screwed up. We've made mistakes, and here's how we're going to fix it. Be patient with you, with us. I, we know you've asked it before, but you deserve to hear our plan. And level with the fans that what they have done has not worked. But tell us what your plan is. This this super secret plan that they have, you know, apparently that the brain trust has, is not shared with the press. It's not shared with the fans. Nobody knows what it is. So what's happened is people just don't watch. They don't come to the games. So back back to the manager. All right, the the number one managerial candidate out there, the hot name out there right now is Joe Girardi. Now my guess is this is just my guess that he's going to go one of two places, Baltimore or California. He'll end up with the Angels or with the Orioles, one or the other. Um, which leads me to what I have been told by my inside Reds. Uh, source is that the man that the Reds are targeting as manager right now is Sandy Alomar Jr., the Indians' first base coach. Yeah, I, I heard that, and I, I heard some confirmation on that a couple of days ago. But if they're going to go there, a guy is he managed before? No. If they're going to go, he's there, been a bench why? coach. He's been a bench coach, but for the last three years, he's been the first base coach. Yes. Why wouldn't you go with Billy Hatcher if you're going to go that route, an unknown manager? Or why wouldn't you go with Barry Larkin? Barry, Barry Larkin's to... got no experience in anything at all. I, I agree with with. I don't agree with Barry Larkin at all. The only thing he's got is he's from Cincinnati. That's it. Yeah, well, that's that, that's a fair complaint. But he did 
manage the uh, you know the world team for the U.S. to a world championship, and he's he's managed in uh, college and, and and some other places. But you know, I, I don't see that you have many options at this point if you're going to really energize the fan base with your selection. I don't think a Sandy Alomar has the name recognition that the fans are going to want to see. I I think Girardi would would get a buzz going in this in this city. And but I don't know who else is out there that that you could turn to and say this is going to be the guy we're going to ride coattails on for the next 5 years. Yeah, I'll tell you right now Mark, if they, if they want to bring in somebody to manage this ball club I'll tell I mean and and they're thinking of Barry Larkin. I've got another name to throw out there besides Barry Larkin that I think would do a better job. And that guy's name is Paul O'Neill. Yeah, I like Paul O'Neill and you know he is a baseball announcer. He's been an announcer for a long time. Yep. But don't forget uh who was the Giants announcer that came in and won a World Series? I forget his name now. Oh, uh, um um oh. Brimley. Bob Brimley. Bob Brimley. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there are guys out there that you, that, that no one, they, they played baseball, they know baseball. You don't have to be a manager necessarily to, to have some success. So that's why I'm not opposed to Barry Larkin and I'm not opposed to uh, Billy Hatcher because he's had no managerial experience or even Sandy Elamar. I don't think being a manager is a disqualifier, nor is it something that should turn everybody on because if, if he's available now, that means somebody's already fired him. And there, there's a reason, because he's got holes in his game, you know. So I'm not opposed to somebody new and exciting, but you've you got to make a commitment. you got to say, okay, we're going to sign you to a five-year contract, and you're going to turn this thing around. But you got to give the manager some input. And I don't think Riggleman or Brian Price had much input at all into what this team has done over the last five years. See, here's here's why I like the idea of them going after Joe Girardi. Um, Girardi is a proven winner. He's been a winner with the Cubs. He's been a he's been a winner with the Yankees. Not to the not to the uh, not so much with the Cubs to the extent that he was with the Yankees. I'll give you that. But he has always pulled the best that he can out of his ball players. So I've got no problems regurgitating a Joe Girardi and bringing him into Cincinnati. But I totally disagree with you on the Sandy Alomar thing. This guy has been a coach under one of the best managers in baseball over the past 10 years in Terry Francona. And if he hasn't learned anything uh, under Francona, uh, I don't know where if he's ever going to learn it. He's got a great reputation among Major League Baseball the only thing that surprised me is he has not walked into a situation. I know he was offered the White Sox job a couple of years ago and turned it down only because I don't think he wanted to go through a rebuilding process that the White Sox were ready to undergo. Now, the Reds may be a different situation because they've really got a set everyday lineup. Yeah, and the other thing that might be appealing to certain managers is the Reds are, are so low right now. You could have just moderate success. You could just play 500 ball, and people are going to think you walk on water. And they have a chance, you know, to be a pretty good ball club if they get some starting pitching. So today I heard an article, I read an article about the Reds dangling some real talent to get Syndergaard because he's he's got four years, three years left on his contract after this year. And that's what you need. You have to, do you trade Sinzel? Uh, do you trade uh, any other young prospects in, in the minor leagues? Taylor Trammell? Uh do, do you trade Suarez? Uh, you know, you have some chips that you can trade to get a center guard, and you have to do that. You have to look at your organization and say, "Here's what we can do over the next five years if we get some starting pitching," because this team has some offense. Uh, I think they're going to get. What I heard today was they were going after uh, two outfielders and two starting pitchers. That's going to be their that's their shopping list. And but they also said in this article I read that they want to make those deals early, right after the season, so they can plan and they can sell some tickets. But what are they going to be willing to give up? I just I just said that. Well, you give up since. Would you give up Sinzel? How about Sinzel? Mark, if I, uh, okay, if I'm the Indians and I've got a plethora of starting pitching, 
Okay, I said this last week. If I'm the Indians and I can give you two starting pitchers right now that have been proven at the major league level that they can win in Plutko and and maybe uh, Bieber and the kid down in the minor leagues, the left-hander, Brady Aiken. He hasn't been up to the majors, but everybody knows the promise that he's got. If I was going to give you two of those starting pitchers, my starting asking price, if I'm the if I'm the Indians, is Suarez. And I start from there, and if you're not willing to give up on Suarez, then I'm not willing to talk to you about anybody else. And that's the way everybody else is going to be. The Mets are going to want Suarez. Okay. With the Mets, I'd make the deal for Suarez because I'd get Syndergaard. I don't want your minor league players. Or what do you think minor league players? Oh, my God, Mark. Be, I'm just offering you Bieber and Plutko, who combined won 16 games at the major league level this year. Yeah, 16. Well, what's Syndergaard do? He has one of the best records in baseball history for a guy who's going to be a 500 player. And he's got a history of arm problems. Yeah, that's true. But if you're going to, if you're going to start the rotation somewhere, you don't do it. I'm giving you two guys that could be your, your ace and your number two pitcher. Only because the Reds are so bad. Not because they are, why aren't they your number one or number two pitcher? Because they're young. Beaver is only 24 years old and Plutko is 23 and Plutko's already played on a national championship team in UCLA and was the ace over a couple of other pitchers and called Garrett Cole and Trevor Bauer when he was with UCLA. If he can't crack your top three, I don't want him. What do you mean? If he can't crack Kluber, Carrasco, and Bauer, you don't want him? You give me Bauer. And I'll give you Suarez. Oh, Mark, come on. I'll give, you Suarez, I'll give you Suarez and another top minor leaguer. Oh, for crying out loud. If, Reds, if I'm going to give you cannot, Trevor Bauer, I'll tell you right now, if I'm going to give you Trevor Bauer, you're giving me Senzel and Suarez and Iglesias. <laughs> I could get Syndergaard for that. No, you Go ahead. Oh go ahead. And you and you'll you'll end up with a pitcher that's going to have a sore arm for three years. How do I know your guys aren't going to have a sore arm? That that's that's the dice rule with pitchers, every pitcher. And Bauer's got a history of arm trouble, so you can't. Who does? Wait a minute! Whoa, 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 whoa! What? History. He does history not have a history of injury. arm problems. Injury, injury, injury. This is the first injury other than the stupid drone incident two years ago. This is the first injury that Bauer has ever had. If, if you're talking about the, the number four baseball minor league player in baseball, that's Sinzel, and you're talking about Suarez, who was an all-star third baseman, hit 32 home runs this year, drove in 101 runs so far. You want both those guys for a pitcher that's not in your top, in your rotation. He is to who? No, in the top three of your rotation. In, in the top three? Yeah. How are they, how is he gonna, Mark, that's like saying, I mean, for crying out loud, let's call, let's call an ace an ace here. That's like saying that, uh, and I'm trying to think of a guy from Baltimore, couldn't crack McNally, Palmer, and Cuellar coming up through the, through the ranks. These guys, those guys are not, if I'm gonna make a trade for my number one draft pick and an all-star third baseman who had 32 home runs, and hit 280 and is a great defensive third baseman. I, I need a superstar. I, I, you know what? You're talking about talent that is unequal because the, the two players that I'm talking about could be all-star players for the Indians for, for a long time. And I'm talking like, about I, two pitchers that could be the ace and the, and the number two be. pitcher. Well, they could be. Yeah. And Syndergaard could be your yes. ace. Could be your Homer Bailey. Syndergaard could be the ace on just about any team, and that's where I'm starting. Why is he not the ace on the Mets? If you give me a chance to answer your question, (laughs) I'll I'll do so. He he is the ace on the Mets. He gets no run support. His secondary numbers are off the chart. Strikeout to walk ratio, ERA. He's he's going to, I think, be a 500 pitcher this year. It's not his fault. Look at his numbers. Syndergaard is, is just an incredible pitcher right now. And I'm, whether it's him or a Clayton Kershaw or whomever you're going to get, the Reds need somebody of that ilk. They've got a bunch of pitchers on their staff already that are, are three, four, and five pitchers. They need a one and a two. And just because the Reds are crummy right now, yeah, your guys might be our one and two because we're so bad. 
but compared to, to other number one pitchers or number two pitchers on other teams, uh, those guys don't cut it. Not, not for, not for two potential all-star everyday players. That's ridiculous. First, first of all, first of all, Syndergaard isn't even the second best pitcher on the Mets team. He's the third best pitcher behind uh, Jacob DeGrom and Zach Wheeler. Look at the stats. Zach Wheeler is hurt all the time. I Zach, don't want Zach Wheeler to has do with pi- that guy. Zach Wheeler has pitched in more games this year than Noah Syndergaard. He's also in the DL again for about the check it out. He's on the DL for like the third time in, in three years. He, he he's just he hasn't proven himself yet. Uh, Syndergaard is just. To say he's number three in the Mets is just not looking at the numbers. I'm looking at the numbers. I'm looking at the numbers right now. He's number three in ERA. He's number three in he's uh, number two in number wins. Number three in ERA. Yeah, he's number three in ERA. Jacob Degrom has got an ERA of one point seven seven. Zach Wheeler has got an ERA of three point three one, and Syndergaard is at three point three six. Well, then then I want Degrom. I want the guy <laughs> who is their number one. I'm serious. I want a I know, number I, one pitcher, and Syndergaard. To me, would be a number one for the Reds, but you need that that starter, that guy who you know is going to put you in, in a position to win every fifth day. And it's not going to be a guy who's the number three or number four, or number five guy or number six guy in the rotation of the Cleveland Indians if you've got to give up our number one draft pick, number four in baseball, and an all-star third baseman. That is that is absurd. It, it makes no sense to do that. I'm giving you half a pitching staff. You're taking one guy. I'm, I'm giving you half a pitching staff. Players. Don't be silly. <laughs> and, and I'm giving I'm giving you two pitchers that have the talent to be all stars. Yeah, well, well, wait till they are. Okay, then call me back. <laughs> oh, Mark. Okay. Anyway, I don't blame you. I would want Jacob Degrom too. As a matter of fact, that's why the Mets brought in uh, uh, Mickey Calloway was because they wanted Calloway to groom that pitching staff the way that the Indians' pitching staff was groomed. That's why they brought him in to be the manager. Unfortunately, it hasn't worked out that way because, for some reason, whatever it is, that staff is never able to pitch a complete season. Well, the Reds have to do something dramatic this year. And I think they they have meetings down in Florida this past weekend. And I actually heard something on the radio that really got my attention, and I was happy to hear it. Uh, Jeff Brantley was um, doing, I think, it was, I think it was Friday night game, and they were talking about the brass had come into Miami to have a big meeting over this past weekend, and um, he made a and so did Marty Brenneman. They both made comments. Marty said, "Well, if everybody's going to come in and salute the company line." then it's going to be more of the same next year, which I thought was quite a statement. Yeah. That he he was being kind of sarcastic as well. Basically, if you go up and salute the boss and say, yeah, we're doing great, aren't we, boss? Nobody, it, 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 nothing's going to happen. And Jeff Brantley, in fact, people thought he may have been fired over, over a comment he made about this team has not made any progress. Uh, he said, you know, if we have to win three of the next five games just to get to the record we had the last two years, which was losing, what, 90, 90 something, 94 games, 90, 90, yeah, 94 games. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, if, if that's progress, it's going the wrong way. Yeah. And I, I was really glad to hear that because what people don't realize is Cincinnati Press, number one, those guys work for the Reds. And they work for the, you know, Fox, who's basically owned by the Reds. And press in big cities, and I don't know what it's like in Cleveland, but the TV and the radio and the print media in New York, in LA, in Chicago, they don't work for the teams. And in these small markets, the, the press, they're so afraid of offending the ownership, yeah. offending the players. And I've lived in Philadelphia for a long time. I lived in Chicago. I lived in Miami, I lived in L.A., and those writers, they didn't take any crap, and they called it as you know, they saw it. And I, you miss that in, in a town like Cincinnati, and again, I don't know what it's like in Cleveland, but the, the press are such a mealy-mouthed group. They don't 
go up and, and attack the Reds and show them the truth. It's like, you know, the, the, the radio announcers anymore, Mark, all over Major League Baseball are employed by the baseball clubs. I know, and, and yeah. that, that's my point. That, yeah. But, but and so are the TV media, announcers, yeah. yeah the, the print media has the, always not. been independent. But here in Cincinnati, the media, they're afraid to challenge the Reds. And they're afraid to challenge the manager. I remember press conferences in, in Philadelphia and Chicago when they'd come in and there'd be arguments with, with the manager, like, why in the hell did you make that move? That was a dumb move or something. You know, they would challenge him. Here they don't. They're almost afraid to talk to these guys. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I understand what you're saying. And, and um, I, I forget who the, the writer is, not Rosencrantz, but uh, the other guy. I see his picture all over the billboards uh, because he got – LASIK surgery, <laughs> but he, he used to work for uh, uh, the Cincinnati Inquirer and was the John Red, Fay? the pardon John, John Fay? No, no, he older than I that. I like him. Well, way, like way, way, a long time ago. He, he, I think he was with the Reds even before the Big Red Machine. Uh, oh, okay. I can't, I can't remember the name of it, but he is one of the last ones, Mark, that that I remember that was really. Uh, a man of a man of his own. He he would he would ask the hard questions. Um, the Indians, uh, you know, hey, let, let, you know, it, it's the way America is nowadays, Mark. I mean, for crying out loud, there aren't any real newspapers in this country anymore. It's all internet. It's all uh, uh, websites and everything else. Like the Athletic is the new big one. The Athletic website is the new the new big so called internet newspaper. Um, and you've got you've got the writers that are all leaving newspapers now and going to the web and writing. You know, when you and I were down to the Reds game last month, uh, we sat in the diamond seats, and thank you for getting us to this great seat. <laughs> uh, but did you notice the Indians stomped the Reds that night? I forget what the score was, but yeah. they, they beat them pretty badly. And there were no boos. No, there wasn't. And nobody stood up and yelled like you. What are you doing, you lazy bum? You know, there's, there was no passion. There was nobody cared. And if the fans don't care, I wonder why you'd expect the players to care. Because when I was down there, I, I could not believe it. Nobody stood up. I mean, again, I, I hearken back to the days when I was in Philly and Chicago and L.A. I mean, gosh, the, the fans were engaged. They were, they were mad. This, this fan base in Cincinnati they just don't care. It's it's an evening out. It's not caring about who wins, and they become this acceptance group. It's apathy. It's okay. You, you can lose ninety five games. It's fine. Yeah. We have a lot of beer and popcorn here. We're okay. Yeah. Don't, don't worry about us. It it it's and, it's apathy, Mark. Yes. That's yes. the worst thing that can happen to a baseball team. Apathy with the fans. And, and that's the way it was, Mark. That's the way it was for the Indians for so long, so long. The Indian fans had apathy after going through the middle '60s, through the '70s, into the '80s, and then into the '90s. They, they, the fans saw nothing but terrible baseball. And then what happened? The Browns left town, and all of a sudden, the Indians were making a turn towards being a better ball club. The Browns left town. And the Cavaliers still stunk because LeBron wasn't around at that point in time. So what did the fans do? They decided to flock the Indians. And 455 games later, they had consecutive sellouts. The Indians were a better ball club, and the apathy was gone amongst Indian fans. Well, that's what the Reds management is responsible for. The, the reason the apathy certainly exists within the Cincinnati fan base is this this team made a business decision. We are not going to invest in our product, and we will take our chances. If they just would have invested enough to play 500 ball, the fans wouldn't have left. Yeah. Because even at 500 ball, you have a chance for the playoffs, depending what division you're in. At, if you if you just win 85 games, you have a chance for the playoffs. Yeah, and that's all fans want. Let let us be excited about September baseball. Okay, you're you're 500 until you get to September 1st. You go on a winning streak. Hey, you're in the playoffs. 
and and what okay. and what happens in this town, Mark? So everybody is apathetic about the Reds. So what do they do? They start turning their attention towards the Bengals. And then what happens with the Bengals? They go out, they win their first two ball games, and then yesterday they lay an egg, and now everybody is upset at everything. Well, it's it's a culture of being in a mid market, I guess. But you know, you look at Milwaukee; they're competitive. St. Louis is competitive. Uh, there's a lot of mid market. Look at look at Oakland. Yeah, that's a smaller market than Cincinnati. And and, and look at look at where Oakland plays. Yes, yes. Um, it's just it's an organizational. It's a systemic problem that has to go back to ownership. And I know Bob Castellini came in. We're going to win. We're going to win. I know he wants to win. But just because you are good at one part of business, which is the produce business that he was in, doesn't mean you're going to be good at baseball. And that's been proven, proven time and time again. But his problem is he, he, he tried to mimic the Cardinals organization. And everything the Cardinals did, he wanted to try and do, which is okay. But at some point, you have to have your own plan. And the Cardinals have, have, have won consistently for decades, and the Reds haven't. And that makes the look, Reds' ownership over the last 30 years look pretty bad. Mark. So something, that's why I get back to, you, you brought up the question of who's going to manage. you got to start over. You, you can't bring in anybody associated with this team from the last five years because it's proven to be a losing organization, and you've got to make some bold moves. You gotta trade Billy Hamilton. For God's sake. He's a two thirty hitter. He <laughs> hit four home runs a year. Yeah, he plays great defense. But you need a two ninety hitter out there who's gonna hit twenty five home runs. That that's what you need. Mark, let's let's turn our attention in the last few minutes that we've got on the show back towards the Indians. Do you think Josh Donaldson can be a game changer for this team? Oh yeah, I do. and I, I hope they sign him. I know he's a free agent, and maybe you guys will finally run out of money somehow. But uh, <laughs> he, but imagine that lineup over 162 games oh. next year. My God, that is, and with that pitching staff, I mean, you guys could win 115 games, and that's that's the truth. I was looking at looking at your lineup. I mean, if you put Donaldson at third, and then if you did go out and get a true legitimate center fielder. To shore up your defense in the outfield, boy, what a team! That 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 is really a team that could could win the World Series for a number of years. We'll we'll talk about it next week with uh, one of my. I'm still working on getting a couple of guests for next week uh, to talk about the the uh, Indians. But my gut feeling is, Mark uh, Bradley Zimmer is their center fielder of the future. Now he's out of the lineup all next year with that torn labrum uh, surgery. My gut feeling is Kipnis has got one year left on his contract. They're going to let him play play out his contract in center field next year. and Hopefully they can get Josh Donaldson. If not, they'll put Yandy Diaz at third base. It's a heck well, of a problem to have. I was going to say, uh, when you when you have that kind of talent in your organization where you can make those kinds of moves, uh, that shows you how deep the Indians are. And uh so it, it, again, it's going to be exciting, you know, what happens the next uh, couple of weeks. But I'm I'm really hoping Oakland beats the Yankees. I really am because I'm I'm tired of the Boston New York thing. I'd like to see somebody different. You know, you could have a World Series theoretically of Oakland playing Milwaukee. Oh, oh my God! Would uh, I'm telling you right now, if that happened, Fox would have a fit. Yeah, I mean, imagine that. But it's possible. Yeah. There's only 10 teams in the playoffs, and, and I, I think Milwaukee's really underrated. And you're, Cleveland could beat New York in one game. I, anybody could beat anybody in one game playoff. I could, see, you know. I could see Joe Buck saying, ah, forget this World Series. We'll let Tom Brenneman do it. I'm just going to go back and do <laughs> Thursday night football. <laughs> yeah. I, I know, mean, one, thing I, one thing I did read today that, that is kind of neat for September is there, there's a possibility uh, you could have a three-way division tie, you know, and you could have four teams tie for uh, the wild card. It, it's a lot of cool things can happen this last week that uh, God knows where we're, you know, the season may not end until, <laughs> you know, two days after it's supposed to. Jeez. I mean, it, yeah, it, it could it could really turn into a uh, scheduling nightmare for Major League Baseball. That's right. It really could. You know, it, Mark, I got to ask you about this. Joe West, 
Uh, did you hear what some of the players were saying about him after a game over the weekend? No, I didn't. Uh, they they came right out and said he was the worst umpire in baseball, and everybody knows it. Hmm. Well, you know, the, the great thing about baseball is they ignore that stuff. <laughs> I'm being sarcastic. I'm being sarcastic. Uh, you know, players and managers and even general managers are, are judged by performance. And I'll tell you what, nobody knows that better than the players. Every player knows how good or bad an umpire is. Not not the head of umpires or anybody else. It's the catchers and the pitchers. They know who's good and who isn't. Yeah. Yeah. They, the, the only thing that I would like to see, Mark, and i got to be honest about it, uh, getting rid of the home plate umpire. You're still going to have the home plate umpire, but he no longer calls balls and strikes. They go by that little computer-generated box. Yeah, that is, that is according to what I read the other day, that is infallible. That they can set it up now because they can, they can the way they can set the angles, and it, it is an infallible type thing, and eventually it's going to happen. It, it, it ha- In fact, they, they said what they can do, they can set the the radar in the plate, and it shoots upward, so they can, you know, like where, where the black is around the plate, mm-hmm. they, they could have a ray that goes up from the bottom. From the so it's infallible. If the ball catches any part of that, it's a strike in, in terms of you know the, the plate coverage. And then they have they have another ray that can go across and get the height if it's going to be a high pitch or a low pitch. So all that stuff is possible. And eventually, that's what you want. You want you want infallibility in the calls, and you can't argue about it. You know, Mark. There there was a question that was asked on on the radio down here about the Cincinnati Reds. I'm going to go ahead and ask you your opinion of this. It's also on the Reds website this week, and I want to know what you think. Who is the Reds' all time single season ace? Yeah, that. I mean, you really got to think about that one. Well, it, it depends how far back you want to go, because back in the 1920s, 19, you know, even older than me, you had a guy like Fred Noodles Hahn, and then you had guys like Paul Derringer, and but is this for a single season? Yeah, they say yeah, all time single season ace. Uh, what was the left-hander that pitched for the Reds in 89? What was his name? Browning? Um, no, um, I think he won 20, 20, it was 23 and 7, something like that. Hmm. Um, got it. He, I think he pitched in 1992. The, the general consensus was 1993, Jose Rio. Fourth- yeah, I thought about Rio, but he, yeah. Again, I, my mind went to, you know, long-term ace, but for one season, well, 1990, he was unhittable. Yeah, this was 93. Yeah, I know. He was, he was good in 93. He was good in 92 as well. Yeah, 14 and 9 in 93, a 2.48 ERA, 227 strikeouts. Yeah, they didn't win it that year either. So, <laughs> I, 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 you know, I, I always def- default to, you know, a, a player it's like the most, is most valuable the guy that is the best player, yeah. or in fact, he's the most valuable guy you got because uh, he, you you win with him. He's a winner. Now he makes he makes you win. And he, here so, here's who they said the Indians was all time. Uh, Nineteen forty six Bob Feller twenty six and fifteen two point one eight ERA and three hundred and forty eight strikeouts. Yeah, that's hard to argue. Bob Feller. Well, you guys have had some great pitchers over the years. Uh, so that's the Bob Feller. I think when you think of the Indians, uh, that's that's who I think of. Now, okay, all time, who had the greatest season of all time? This one's easy. Uh, Sandy Koufax. Nope. Yeah, he did. You think? Yeah. Better than Steve Carlton in '72. Well, again. He played for a last place team in 1972, and yet individually, I, I guess I default to what Kovacs did was the 63, 
He was twenty-five and three, or twenty-six and three, something like that. This, this says in sixty-six. They they said the Dodgers' best was sixty-six. Kofax twenty-seven and nine, one point seven three ERA and three hundred seventeen strikeouts. Yeah, he would have been my he would have been my pick. Now, only because his games were more more important. Yeah. Now, meanwhile, here's what here's what uh, Carlton was in seventy-two, twenty-seven and ten, a one point nine seven ERA. And 310 strikeouts. Yeah, I mean, I was up there in Philly when Carlton had that year, and it was, they only won 59 games the whole year. Yeah. Yeah. Here's your, here's your trivia question of the night. Oh, come on. All right. Not more. Just one more. Who was Steve Carlton traded for? Who did the Cardinals Uh, get in return? Rick Wise. You got it. The bispectacled Rick Wise, right-handed and, pitcher. And what did Rick Wise, why is he famous aside from that? Oh, gosh, I don't know. Oh, come on. No, I'm serious. Uh, what? He's the only pitcher to pitch a no-hitter and hit two home runs in the same game. Oh, yeah, you're right. I forgot about that. Of course I'm right, David. Oh, well, there's a first yeah. time for everything. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, I mean... uh at the end of the day, and we're at the end of the season, I'm not going to ask you what the Reds have coming up because obviously they don't have anything coming up other than the end of the season this week. What has been the most disappointing aspect of this season for you, for the Reds? Uh, no progress. I, I think that is, you know, I, I would have, if I could have seen that there is something out there over the horizon that gives me hope, but I, I don't have any hope. Honest to God, I'm not being trying to be dramatic. Uh, I don't see this team has a chance to, to do much uh, over the next several years that gives me any indication that they are, you know, going to be um, a competitor. I, I just don't see it. You know, when we started this show eight years ago, uh, the Reds were the winning team and the Indians were the team that was hanging on. Now it's it's completely flip-flopped. By the way, before we say goodbye, I wanted to follow up on something. You asked me what Reds pitcher had the best, you know, was the ace. Uh, it was Danny Jackson who I was oh, talking about. Danny Jackson. And Danny Jackson in 1988 for a team that finished second, he was 23-8 and eight with a 2.73 ERA, pitched 260 innings, uh, struck out uh, over 200 guys, 206 guys it looks like. So that, that's who I was searching for. I thought he played in, in 90, but he didn't. He played in 88 yeah. for the Reds. And, hey, I want, to, want one more thing before we go tonight. Um, former Indian, current Detroit Tiger, Victor Martinez, is retiring. In the last uh, trip into Cleveland for the Tigers, the Indians gave him a presentation. Uh, of course, they traded him to Boston uh, after one or in the middle of one of the seasons, and Victor really didn't want to go, and then signed on with the Detroit Tigers. He was so touched, Mark, he started crying. Um, he has been one he of the. Pardon? He was so underrated. That guy was a yeah. great player, and, and, really and a class act from from the word go. Just a class act. And baseball needs more of those guys, and it's it's going to be sorry to see him go. So that. That'll hey next week when we talk, Mark, we'll talk about the playoffs and what the the uh, Indians are going to do in the playoffs, and we'll also talk about what the Reds have to do in the off season. Yeah, we're going to have Jeff Lowry join join us next week, and uh, he, he's a, a guy who studies the Reds quite well. So we'll be looking forward to talking to him next week. And I've got a couple of guys that I'm uh, trying to bring on, and as soon as we get it solidified, we will let you know. But that's going to do it for tonight's show, Mark. Have a nice week. We'll talk to you again next Monday night. Have a good one, Dave. That's going to do it for tonight's program. Thanks for joining us here this evening. I'm glad you could join us as we talked about the final week of this Major League Baseball season between the Cleveland Indians and the Cincinnati Reds. Don't forget, coming up this weekend, we've got college football action for you on Saturday afternoon, and that will be from Bluffton where the Mount St. Joseph Lions will be taking on the Bluffton Beavers. We'll be on the air with the pregame show at 12.30, and the kickoff will be at 1.30, and that all happens here on UltimateSportsTalk.com. But then again, next Monday night, Mark and I will be back with more 
of the Ohio the Baseball Week, uh, Ohio Baseball Weekly Show, and we'll be back again, like I said, next Monday night to bring you all of that here on UltimateSportsTalk.com. So we'll talk to you again next Monday night at nine o'clock as we wind down the baseball season. For Mark Donahue, I'm Dave Mitchell. Have a good week, everybody.